everyone, welcome to Healthy Conversations with your host, Nyasha B. Today I've got an exciting and amazing topic where we're going to be discussing the future of pharmacy. I've got a panel discussion today and this is one of our first pharmacide chats. So on my far right hand side, I've got Mr. George Nyamayaro. He's the director of Diamond Pharmacy and an executive committee member of the Community Pharmacists Association. Welcome, George. Thank you very much. All right. And in the middle, we've got Dr. Fungisai Chirochangu, who's representing the supply chain side. She's the chairperson of the Pharmaceutical Wholesalers Association. She's a clinical pharmacist and has also recently opened a retail pharmacy. Thank you very much, Nasha. All right, you're welcome. And lastly, um, close to me on my right-hand side, I'm joined by Mrs. Jocelyn Chaiva. She's the chairperson of the Ph uh, Retail Pharmacist Association, now also known as the Community Pharmacist Association. But I'll let her also introduce herself, and she's no stranger, I think, to the pharmaceutical industry. She's also the director of the New Five Avenue Retail Pharmacy. Welcome, Ms. Chaiva. Uh, thank you, Nyasha. Maybe just to add on to my accolades, because sometimes you have to remind people of what other commitments we do besides just working in the pharmacy. Being chairperson of the Community Pharmacists Association, that is in Zimbabwe, I'm also the vice president of the African Pharmaceutical Forum, which is uh, the regional association of pharmacists in the Afro region. And uh, I am a past, past, past president of the Pharmaceutical Society of Zimbabwe. So just, those are just some of my um, roles in terms of voluntary work as a pharmacist. Yes, I, know. I think you've got uh, many hats. So I think given that you've just started with that, can you just give us a bit of a background in terms of um, you know, your you know, pharmacy career and how you've landed up here and also serving in so many roles? Uh, thank you, Nyasha. This is quite exciting. Uh, I trained at the University of Zimbabwe and I did my internship in hospital at Parinyato Hospital. Then from there I was involved in the training of pharmacy technician. So I'm a trainer or teacher for the pharmacy profession. I was there for 14 years before I went into the private sector and was working in a retail pharmacy for another six years before I went on to open my own pharmacy in Neharare. So I've been there since 2003 in that uh, community pharmacy. And during that period, I've been involved in uh, other roles other than uh, the pharmacy association. I've also been involved with the Pharmacist Council, which is the body responsible for registering pharmacists and looking at standards of practice for pharmacists. I've also been involved as a board member of the Medicines Control Authority, which is the board responsible for the quality of medicines in Zimbabwe. So I've dealt with uh, the quality of medicines, the quality of practice of pharmacists in Zimbabwe, including their training through work, uh, workforce development in terms of pharmacy technicians. Yes. And I've also supervised a number of uh, pharmacists during the internship in various areas. Oh, so I think we can definitely learn, I think, quite a lot from you because you've been in the industry for quite a long time and there are different aspects and areas that, you know, we can learn from. All right, um, Dr. Chiu-Shang, you can just give us a brief background about yourself so that the audience can also get to know you. All right. Um you know, when you say background, you, like Mrs. Chaiva said, you have to start thinking, how back does the background go? But I was trained in America and I got my PharmD. Uh, I worked there for CVS Pharmacy. I left when I was a regional leader there. Um, and I went to the UK and I was working with the NHS as a transformation manager and service improvement lead. And then I came home. And when I came home, I uh, started my little wholesale and joined PWA, which is the Pharmaceutical Wholesale Association, where I'm now chair. And I have gone into retail because I do, I miss my patients. I miss practicing clinical pharmacy. So, you know, just trying to, to sort of do all, all the sort of jack of all trades, as, 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 as one would say. But I think one thing that I, I definitely enjoy is teaching. I teach at the University of Zimbabwe. I teach therapeutics and uh, pathophysiology to part twos and part fours. And that has been very rewarding. It's, it's nice yeah. to be able to go with the students um, on clinical rounds and allow them to be part of the interprofessional education or interprofessional collaboration team. So that's been really fun. But COVID has really sort of disrupted our ability to get onto the wood as much as I would like us to. But um, yeah, I hope that helps in terms of background. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, thanks for that background. Eh? 
Yeah, and uh, last but not least, um, Mr. Nyamero, can you give us a bit of a background of yourself? Yeah, sure. I think uh, just the same thing uh, before I delve in. I think uh, we've uh, listened to the ladies. Uh, <laughs> we, we are very much blessed to have three ladies of high intellect who are also involved in business. Oh, I think uh, the country, the government has been advocating the same to, to have a balance between uh, the, the, the genders. And today, we are quite, quite graced with uh, these three amazing ladies. Keep on the good work, ladies. We need you. Support the pharmacy business and we grow it. Like you said, I'm George Yamayaro. Uh, I graduated from the University of Zimbabwe uh, with the Bachelor of Pharmacy. Then uh, I went straight into, into retail. I've not much been involved in hospital. I just have a brief stint in it, I've always been in retail, then I worked uh, manufacturing, I think, uh, brief years at CAPS. Uh, then with Greenwood, I then decided to do an MBA with the University of Zimbabwe as well. Then mm -hmm. when I just finished the MBA, I opened uh, my own pharmacy, my own brand, uh, Diamond Pharmacy. And I think uh, we have grown from 2013 up to now to, to, to have five branches that we have. And uh, recently, last week, uh, we opened Diamond Medical Laboratories and uh, it's another new area. Uh, it's, it's good as pharmacists as we delve into, into other charters. And uh, really the, the lab with COVID-19 at the moment, I think we started on a very, very high page. Okay. And it's interesting, mm -hmm. thank you. Yes, mm. I think um, it's a nice way to open the conversation where we're thinking about, mm. you know, COVID-19 and the impact. I think the last, I think, two weeks has been quite bad in terms of the number of, you know, the rising cases that are there. So I think it's quite important when we look at the role that we play as even the, you know, the pharmacists and the healthcare professionals. How has the pandemic also challenged you in terms of the healthcare professional? True. It has uh, very much uh, challenged all of us. I think uh, as much as we say as pharmacists, we, we get to get business in courts, uh, I have to allude to the fact that uh, these uh, are patients, we have mm -hmm. lost some patients, we have actually lost some professionals mm -hmm. due to COVID-19. It's so sad, may they are so rest in very eternal peace. And I hope one day we'll be able to wake up from this a different day. But for now, this is what we have, and we have to brace ourselves up. And I can say uh, from the manufacturers to the wholesalers up to the retailers, everyone we have done their bit. Mm -hmm. We have tried, uh, we have got uh, very challenging macroeconomic factors in the country, but we have come together. Uh, I think we have done as much with uh, drugs that are helping helping so many people who have been affected and who are symptomatically mm. showing signs and symptoms of COVID. We, we have been there. So yes, still I, 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 I appeal to pharmacists that we still have a huge, huge job in front of us to help uh, patients across the country. Yes, you know, I think definitely. Yeah, uh, Ms. Chaber, how has your role been challenged, even in terms of education and speaking to patients? I think we've got a lot of family groups, WhatsApp groups, social media, people always want information. How has that changed you? Yeah, maybe to start off this conversation, from my perspective, when it comes to COVID, I'll go back to our theme as Pharmaceutical Society of Zimbabwe, which says times change mm -hmm. and we change with the times. So you find that uh, this pandemic has been a, a stimulant to make a lot of things change in the way we practice pharmacy and the future of pharmacy. First and foremost, people would uh, go uh, to different healthcare providers, but we've been having a lot of more, more patients coming to our pharmacies, asking for advice, and what is going on around us makes us realize the importance of pharmacists as educators. This is one of our major roles as educators. Uh, to quote from my one colleague from, uh, in, the, in, the, in, in the industry, he was actually saying, when you give someone medicines and then they don't know how to use them, they don't use them properly, it's like you're poisoning somebody. 
So the role of pharmacist to educate the patient cannot be understated. It is important for the patients to appreciate what medications they are taking and how safe they are. If they have any challenges, they should know where to go, go back to their medical practitioner, their pharmacist, or any health care provider so that the patients get the correct information. Right now, the challenge which I think we are getting is that because there's a lot of information on the internet, but it's important for people to get correct information. And sometimes we're hearing people asking about a COVID kit. And then we're trying to dream, what is a COVID kit? It is still important for proper diagnosis, whether it is COVID or whether it is just a common cold or a flu, or they're just coughing so that they get the right medication. So we still advise a lot of our patients and us as pharmacists to continue learning and be educated so that we, are, we have the competences to assist our people. When I looked at pharmacy education, as times change, we change with the times. And through this, we have what we call continuous professional development, such that we are not left behind by the new diseases and the new conditions. So our pharmacy education has been changing with the times so that we are able to provide what we call pharmaceutical care. So the patients get the best out of their pharmacists. So in fact, the pharmacist council, one of the requirements for us to remain as practicing pharmacists is continuous professional development where we have to learn every year about new diseases, new conditions, and even update the information which we have so that our patients will get the best. And even within that whole setup, we actually work as a team. As my colleague earlier on alluded to, we have the supply chain where you are starting off with the new medicines which then come onto the market, which is then given from the community pharmacist to the patient. The patient is also a big or an important player for them to take their medicines correctly. And they need that information which is correct. So come to the right place to get the correct information. Thank you. And uh, Dr. Chirichang, what have you seen there lately in terms of, you know, the, you've recently also opened an outlet. You now see the activity in the market, mm -hmm. the people are running around asking for medication. What can you report from there? Um, actually, I'm going to talk more broadly about what's been, you know, sort of um, highlighted by my two colleagues. Firstly, I want to say that, um, and I've always said this, that the pharmacists are the unsung hero in Zimbabwe. In other parts of the world, pharmacists are really getting into COVID in terms of being part of the community setup that actually assists in terms of um, testing for PCR or even vaccination. Um, pharmacists around the world are the ones that are going door to door, giving that counseling yeah. and that advice to their patients. Um, and I think our government hopefully at some point will start seeing the benefits of utilizing this unsung hero group, which is the pharmacists. So I'll give you a good example. Um, during COVID, when everything else was closed down, we did have our wholesalers open, thank God, and they were very organized. They made sure that they still had their supply chains filled up. And where they had gaps, the retail pharmacists came in and they found ways of bringing in medications. And at some point, our clinics were closed. Do you realize that there was a time during the epidemic when only pharmacies were open? And the pharmacist is far beyond just a clinician or a businessman or, or an academician you know, or an educator. We are community leaders in other parts of the world. Like when I was trained, I was trained that a pharmacist is actually a community leader. Because, for example, when an emergency happens, the person who knows the supply chains, the person who knows the general contacts in the community, the person who can actually get things organized is the pharmacist. There are some pharmacies in Zimbabwe that actually provide water, borehole services to their communities. So I think we're a very unutilized um, cohort of professionals and I, and I appeal that our government needs to utilize us even better. We have a lot of brainy pharmacists. Some of our pharmacists were actually in the groups or teams that actually started manufacturing vaccines around the world and Pfizer and AstraZeneca and so forth. And so imagine if that same pool of people were here in Zimbabwe and had the correct funding. We could be creating our own vaccines. Um, I don't see anything wrong with a pharmacist um, getting into business because we have to survive. 
But for someone like George, I actually want to challenge you, George, and say you need to go beyond the business. You're getting into labs, which is awesome. You're getting into pharmacy. But, you know, you need to invest. We need to start seeing you doing the manufacturing as well. We need to start seeing him invest in research because that's more sustainable and more long-term. You look at Nigeria and you look at, for example, Dangote. Okay, his family in, in the 1800s were already, like, well up, right? But he's now refining oil. My point is we need to use our natural resources, which is the molecules and the organisms that we have in Zimbabwe, and start manufacturing our own cures, our own um, tablets, our own, you know, whatever formulations, different formulations. In Israel, they now have insulin as tablets. You know, we need to be ahead of the game because we're brainy. So we figured out the business part, but the guys that have figured out the business part, like George, we need you guys to do more than just say, ah, no, you know, I mean, you know, business and we've done this. That's great. But George, next time, this time next year, we want to hear, you know what? I'm now opening a manufacturing plant yes, I, I, that does I, I, APIs. Sure, I take the prophetic challenge. Amen. So I told you after the challenge, eh? yes, I remember, I remember I last we, discussion we did. Episode six of healthy conversations, we yeah. discussed about this. Yeah, yeah. we good. really talked about this at length. Remember. Yeah. So yes, it keeps on popping up, and I'm happy that it has come from from my colleague again mm. and again. Mm. And I think Mr. Uh, Eva can actually also come on board. We've discussed about this. I think on many fora, many a times we have spoke that no. We need mm. competitive manufacturing in Zimbabwe. Mm. And as I said, we need to come together as pharmacists. Because this Absolutely. is not a, a one-man... Absolutely. It's not. No. It's, it's not a diamond business. This one mm. needs <laughs> all of us to, to come yep. together. Mm. But she, she is into business. She is into business. Together, if we put our brains and say, no, we need the correct funding. And the government, mm. they say, no, guys, can you come with the proposals? Yeah, they have. So we need to do this. Mm. I think it can be done. Definitely it can. Yeah. So what's the mismatch? Where's the gap? I think we keep talking about, I think the same, whether it's manufacturing and saying, hey, we need to create a system where there's self-sufficiency. We need to ensure growth. We need to look at indigenous knowledge systems. How do we get there? Let's be practical. Do you know, I think, sorry, sorry to say yeah, sure, sure. No, no. Anyone? You know, yeah. I, think, I think one of our biggest gaps is not only funding, but... Um, an inert passion to actually see something come through. You know, something like manufacturing, you don't just open it today and then, you know, of course you can do packaging and you can do fill and paste and stuff like that. But when you start talking about research and development, it means that you're putting your profits into something that you're gonna get rewards of 10, 20 years down the line. I mean, it takes 10,000 molecules to finally, I worked at AstraZeneca, I didn't mention that before, but I did work at AstraZeneca at the headquarters in Delaware and it takes about 20 years for them to, to find a molecule that actually works in the human being. Yeah, the and they start the with about 10,000 molecules and different you know, isomers and, and all that. So it takes a very long time before you can see the rewards of true manufacturing research and development and be able to bring in the new molecules. However, because of technology, it can actually be done quicker now. Um, yeah. With the national, I think now there's an organization of national herbalists or therapists that's been formed with different people from around the country that have proven solutions that work for different things, but they're not qualified or quantified. So I think it's a matter of collaboration, like he says. The University of Zimbabwe has an innovation hub, and they have that, um, they have that um, structure in place where hopefully we can get business and we can get intellectuals and we can get the other... Um, stakeholders that are in the rural areas or in different parts of the country with different solutions to come together and be able to make these solutions. But I think there also needs to be a true political will in terms of actually saying, guys, we've got this much money, come and get it, and we'll go get it. Yes, no, I, I think I, I like how you put that. Sorry, yeah. Just as a follow-up to that, I think as a nation, or even here as a pharmacist here, we should be advocating for programs and then take it up. Because the problem is that, in fact, Zimbabweans are well known for coming up with the proposals and so on, which are then never taken up or never taken forward. Implementation. Yes. The implementation becomes a, one of our weaknesses. Mm. And this is what we want to appeal to ourselves, starting with ourselves, mm. before we even ask mm. others to even join us. Those who are, at the, who are there, let's get it done. 
let's have uh, the proposals and then implementation. Mm -hmm. And then, because right now we have the policy, which mm -hmm. is the, the NDS1, mm -hmm. which is national, yes. what is it called? <laughs> national Development, Development Strategy, Strategy yes. 1, yes. which is focusing on manufacturing. Mm -hmm. True. And the main focus is on manufacturing of medicines. Mm -hmm. So in terms of uh, the policies from uh, our government, is there. And then how are we taking it up? So we are the implementers. Mm. The policymakers have started the ball rolling. And if there are any things which need to be panel beat, that is part of our role is to advocate for improvement on that, including the funding, what level of funding are we looking at, and even investment yeah. into that area. Mm. Research and development, the infrastructure, and then we move on. Yeah. And it falls into place. I think, uh, like what you said, Ms. Shaver, there's NDS1, there's also the National Health Strategy, where yes. local production is a priority. And yes. they're also looking at, you know, traditional and indigenous knowledge systems. Yes. We've got some, some you know, knowledge yeah, and information, yeah. yeah. But we also need the supportive industries, I think, to also come on board. If we look at yeah. agriculture, that's Yeah, just to, to add on where you were saying the, the missing gap, I think she explained it very well, that apart from funding, uh, the collaboration is lacking. Mm -hmm. You know, I was surprised that uh, at a certain point there were um, some ex-footballer, my brother Dexter Blackson, uh, based in the UK. He came, I think, with marvelous Nakamba. They actually came, they saw the president, they had a proposal about a manufacturing plant. They pushed it through, they were actually given land. They are actually really? making inroads. You know, these, these are footballers. That we are talking, and, and just probably to say, Dexter is actually involved in a distribution company in the UK, and what these guys do, they they are not concentrating on work-in clients. They are selling their medicines in Germany, in France. They are operating an online pharmacy, mm -hmm. so they've got a resident doctor. They get prescriptions, but you know, in the UK, the the the, the doctor in the UK then has to write mm -hmm. a prescription from France interpret it, they dispense, then it's taken by Korea. They supply a person right at their home in France is getting medicines. Wow. And That's they, innovation. What they've done, they've <laughs> skipped you. Yeah. They've was remember, with yeah, us, we, we, yeah. yes, yes. What, what, what they've done is, with us, we, 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 we thrive much on our, say, sections and facts. Mm. We say, you know, I've imported in India, I've imported in the UK. But right now, when these guys are allowed to bring straight to your to your mother who's at home, it means they can come to your farmers. So these are the things that we need to be thinking just to say I'm waking up every day and going to my corner shop, mm -hmm. going to my farmers. We should think broader. Mm -hmm. These are the things that we should, we should, we should be doing. Mm -hmm. So I think these proposals have to come from us. The pharmacist. And also, I think an interesting thing, sorry, that you also mentioned, if we also don't come up with a proposal, you find that other people in other areas will yeah, also definitely come up Definitely they will. Right now, I mean, you've got a lot of the ICT people who are coming up with, I think, the digital health solutions True. and the yes. tools. So if we also don't come on board, either whether we work as partners with them and, you know, offer our input, because, I mean, it's a regulated industry, True. you'll find people will go ahead and, you know, move on. Definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I just was uh, actually following up on that, that we should uh, ad adopt the new technologies, otherwise we'll be left behind. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we hold on to the old thing, and yet things have moved. And mm -hmm. in fact, COVID-19 has taught us that things have changed. Mm -hmm. Let's move with the times. As times change, we move with the times. The technologies which make even better access or improve the access to medicines and all products should be adopted into our supply chain systems so that at the end of the, patient, at the day, the people will benefit. Yeah, at the end of the day, so it's a patient focus at the, at the end of the day. So we need to make sure that we also improve. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah sure. Okay. So, all right. So I think, in, uh, back to I think the manufacturing uh, issue, I think I'm just discussing about, you know, Self-sufficiency. I think this morning, I, I know there was an interesting conversation that was debated right. on one of our, <laughs> on our, our groups platforms. in terms yeah. of uh, pharmacists. Mm -hmm. I think we had, uh, I think President Cyril Ramaphosa from yes. South Africa, just discussing the issue around, like, look, let's manufacture, I think, vaccines 
as a continent and mm -hmm. trying to make sure that we can create the conducive environment for that and you know he highlighted I think some of the issues and the challenges and saying that there also needs to be some mutual respect between some of the developed nations and the underdeveloped nations. I don't know, do you think the respect is there? <laughs> I don't think, from I mean there? look, I think yeah. coming from having lived in the diaspora personally as a student and as a professional and as a parent, um, we need our leaders to really do better. Um, in terms of bringing us up to the level where we're not begging anymore. We have enough resources, yeah. a lot of resources. And, you know, I, I, you know, it's one of those things where you have to say, I, I do, and I, I think I mentioned this on the group, that I think the, dece the decentralization strategy in Zimbabwe is really a very good start. Because what that'll do is it's going to create microeconomies where they weren't there before, right? So it's going to create this... Um, middle-income um, yeah. strategy that they're working on. Um, and with that, what we're saying is our scientists needs to come out of trying to just make that, you know, that dollar a day, right? And try and actually go above and beyond the disruption that's possible that yeah, can sure. be caused by those that are outside that see the opportunity that's inside. So I think that it's, it's something that we have to think about. And it's something that we can't just think about as individuals or as businesses. It's something greater than that. It's something we have to do on a very national level, but also on a very regional level. So I think it's very important that Zimbabwe, for example, gets to host the AMA. I think that that will be a very good start for Zimbabweans. I think that we are the best country to be able to host the AMA. Um, and then with that, I think that we also then need to start pushing ourselves. Because I think, like you said, Mrs. Chaiba, implementation science is something that we don't quite teach in our programs or in our curriculums. And it's something that needs to be integrated because we're so brilliant as Zimbabweans, but we now need to start implementing these yes. great ideas. The saddest thing is I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, God, George is going to think I'm really stupid if I tell him I actually have a proposal. And I live in Zimbabwe, <laughs> and I actually haven't even gone to see the president, but somebody's a footballer yeah. has flown yeah, to the UK. <laughs> Man, I feel I stupid sitting here. I need to do you something. See. So you see? <laughs> People are sitting. Yes, I'm serious. Yeah. People out there have to give you also the own. Yeah, but 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 just probably to to comment. I, I think I saw it was flighted on a group. Uh, the president Cyril Ramaphosa yeah, yeah. comments, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it was ten minutes or so. Mm -hmm. yes, so I think minutes. I was getting disturbed. I didn't get to 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 hear the, all of it. But now that you've just explained mm -hmm. it a little bit, I think. Uh, the president must have been responding with regards. I know that there's a company which is based in Cape Town. Mm -hmm. They are trying to make a replica of the Moderna oh, yeah. MRI vaccine. Yeah. So I think it came out on CNN. Uh, the CEO of the of the company, uh, based in South Africa, was then being questioned that uh, what you are trying to do is it ethical? Uh, because uh, there is a breach. In terms, of Moderna isn't sanctioned, isn't agreed. Because of intellectual property. It, oh, yeah. Yes, okay. because okay. remember, Moderna it takes a lot to 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 have these uh, these molecules or these vaccines come on market. So the moment you you definitely make may make a replica, then it means Moderna is not going to enjoy much of the research she was talking about. Mm. But I think the CEO of that company was saying, no, it's it's not like here in Africa we have received anything from mm. Moderna. Mm. They have promised that I think in Kenya they were going to bring some five million I think doses or so, but nothing has come. Actually, yeah. back yeah. in the states they can't the actually point. make enough for, yeah. for for the people that are there. So that there is a gap. Yeah, so as gap, Africans, yeah. why can't we use our own resources? Then we make, we, yeah. we produce. Then she was saying, "Are you talking of ethics? Are you saying people yeah. should die whilst we wait for for years?" Yeah. I think yeah. there comes a time where probably who and the global audience to come in to say no. It's not it's neither an issue of ethics or of stealing. Mm. It's an issue of saving lives. Yes. So yes, yes I agree that as, as as Africans and in any case anyway, there's been so much, so much um data that has been collected by AstraZeneca and mm. Pfizer actually coming from Africa. Yeah. That is so I think the synergies is to come from both ends. Mm -hmm. I think uh, in the States or in, in Europe or also in India, they need to respect 
also that is Africans, we can come up with, mm. with, with certain ideas and certain models and put them in yeah. play. I actually applaud the, the South Africans for, for, yeah. for coming up with that. Who knows, probably when they are doing it, they can probably even have a better vaccine. Who knows? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, the concept of vaccines actually came from Africa. How they discovered the first smallpox vaccine was actually from a slave who said, back home, how we do it is, you know, you cut someone who's had it before and then you put their blood into the other person and mm-hmm. this is like very primordial stuff and then you just... Yes, I think I remember yeah. when yeah. you were talking so about the early, early days, yeah, like, you know, yeah. So the, the concept of vaccines actually came from Africa in the first instance. I think the issue we have now is what we call technology transfer, mm-hmm. which is where the other com- countries have invested so much in, in, in bioscience and technology that they're able to create these things faster, they're able to replicate it, they're able to do clinical trials unlike we are, because we have other problems which are... I'm not going to get political. It's but anyway, I think, yeah. I think, I, I think, I think yeah. where I'm trying to go with yeah. this is we have to have the confidence that we can create our own vaccine mm. with yeah. what we have. Yeah. Why should we be looking at Moderna when we've got Sinopharm, which uses so, old technology, yeah, for example, yeah. and we've, we have good relations with the Chinese government? I think the conversation really should be saying for those governments that we have good relationships with, like the Chinese and the Indians, maybe we need to start looking east and saying, guys, you know, can you assist us with technology transfer for us to be able to replicate mm-hmm. and manufacture? And, you know, we have different antigens, you know, so there's a whole dynamic topic about pharmacogenomics that I'm quite interested in. And, and, and that genomics also pertains to our population in general. Look, Zimbabwe was by far the most organized country in the world when it came to vaccines, when it came to COVID control. And as such, you, you, have, to, you have to give us credit that we know what we're doing. We just have a gap in terms of capital and getting the expertise together. But there is no reason why even Zimbabwe can't, in the first instance, start making Sinopharm here and then start using our own antigens to replicate that process and start making a vaccine that's more relevant to the genomics of the African continent. Because you have to remember that the antigens that they're using in these different countries are antigens that are actually coming from the human beings that stay and are resident in those countries. So we, we also need to remember sort of that other technical aspect of ma- manufacturing of, um, of vaccines as well. So, I mean, I think, I think it's a good conversation to have. I think we need to bring it out of here and actually start yeah. working towards something. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I think, Fungi, beyond that, we can also even consider other molecules. When you're looking Absolutely. at tech transfer, I think when we're looking at just yes. even manufacturing some of the basic drugs, we look at some of the major NCDs mm. affecting our population, mm. yes. you know, whether it's mental health, diabetes, hypertension. Absolutely. Let's see what we can. Because, I mean, like, look, with the India, look how they industrialize over Absolutely. time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we can actually yeah. take a similar model and once we have the right investment and tools, we should be able to also get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, actually, there's a follow-up to all that, uh, the conversation in terms of uh, production or research into these uh, molecules. It's not just vaccines, but even the other medicines. Mm-hmm. Because like right now, all the APIs, they're being imported. And COVID-19 taught us a lesson that when you don't have your own thing, mm. you'll suffer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because some of these products from our retail pharmacies, for example, we could not get some of the products because they could not come to us. Even if the manufacturers abroad wanted to send them, mm. they could not mm. because of the lockdown. Mm. So you find yourselves in effects. But if we had our own industries, producing our own uh, raw materials, manufacturing our own products, we would actually be better off. Be it uh, the... Uh, the APIs or the vaccines. The vaccines right now, the issues is these countries who manufacture, they obviously want to feed themselves first mm. or give to their people first. Mm. And what happens in the meantime? You'll be dying mm. as Africa. So it is time we wake up as Africa. Mm. And the call from uh, President Ramaphosa on that uh, top is something uh, like a wake-up call mm. for us. And I think there was also another one from... Uh, President Kagame, on the same note, when he was talking about AMA, which is the uh, African Medicines uh, Agency, so that at the end of the day, we also become Mm self-sufficient. One of the reasons we sometimes don't have these products is because the people want to deal with themselves first, 
while we are left behind. Because now you only receive what I would call in Shona, Mafufu, Asara from the others. <laughs> so the leftovers or the remnants. So as Africa, as pharmacists, we should be doing our part and work with those with who have got the finances. Because in this case, the first bowlers had the money, but the pharmacists were not even there to <laughs> yeah, work with these people. Yes, we're not even there. It's extreme people who want to invest in their nation. And we're not there to actually accept that and take it forward. No, it's very disappointing. So let's, have, let's have be there ourselves as well and respond positively. But can I say, Mrs. Shaiba, that we do have visionaries as leaders in our Ministry of Health, our Ministry of Tertiary Education, um, through Prof. Murida. Um, I know at the UZ they've got the uh, Education 5.0, which is really being pushed by the Vice-Chancellor, uh, Prof. Mapumo, and with Dean, with Dean Masanganisa as well. And that was part of the call, right, was to say, guys, they had a meeting, guys, let's sit down. How can we be importing sanitizers? So... They figured it out and they started so making they sanitizers. Make sanitizers. Exactly. They started making aprons, they started making masks, they started doing everything. So I think what we, and, and, and they do have plans to start a, their, their um, own manufacturing units and also to start a queenery um, hospital as well. So we have to give them credit that, you know, we as a profession, yes, we also need to be, you know, full on in there. But our educational systems are also trying their best to do what they can. I think I like, like, yeah, and HIT as well. They have as well. And I think so. I think what George, I think what George is saying is maybe there needs to be um, a collaboration unit or Definitely. organization or, or engine that allows the education, you know, the academia, and the business and the guys on the ground, the practitioners, to be able to meet and say, guys, this is the way forward. This person's yeah. going to do this, this person's going to do Because the apple's so big. Yeah, but I think sometimes people feel like, oh, if I tell this person my idea, they're going to take it and run with it and make money and I'm going to sit at home crying. So if I give George my proposal today, he's just yeah, going to photocopy, change and put diamond there, go to the president without me. And then, you know, so I think, I think one gap we have is trust. Having said that, <laughs> so, yeah, there's for collaboration yeah, sure. and yeah, trust in one is, another, such yeah. that at the end of the day, mm. we have a movement. We can't get uh, to this 2030 thing without working together. Yeah. Each one on their place. Just like a soccer game, I think what we're dealing with is the world demonstrated in a soccer match. Mm. Mm-hmm. Whereby each one punch more party. Maybe that's so, a challenge. I think team spread. I think it's one yeah, of those big yeah, things we, that we, need uh, we definitely <laughs> need, need that, uh, that coming together. We yeah. definitely need. Yeah, it I think no, part of it is I think team spread. But a second part would also be I think I like even Fungi where you're working, where you you're, you're into the mentorship, you're into the education, mm-hmm. you're looking at the other side. Then there's also um you know other speakers I've had here before like uh, I think there was Kudzi and Wilfred who are into the research. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone sort of needs to come together, and yes. at the end of it. It will be for the benefit, I think, of uh, the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I can just go into something that's a bit sensitive, just for a little bit. <laughs> and I'm sure, uh, Mr. Nyamayaro and uh, Ms. Chaiba, you might have the most experience with this. But, you know, cost of services, I mm-hmm. think it's a big issue that keeps on coming up. There are two things, actually, that keep coming up, on, I think, on this segment. Cost and the regulator, but we'll finish off with the regulator. <laughs> I don't know, what are we doing in terms of the pharmaceutical industry to address issues around cost of care? Right now we're dealing with a market where a large majority, one, is not insured. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, are, you know, public sector is not operating at its prime efficiency. So a lot of people are forced into, you know, your private sector care, having to come and run around, let's say, to Diamond Pharmacy, having to get medication. I don't know, what is going on with the you know, cost of medications? All right. Uh, yeah, it's a very contentious <laughs> issue. It's a very, very contentious issue. I'm glad you've left it to Georgia, Mrs. Chaiva. Yes, yes. Um, yes, sure. Let me say um, it has been a cat and mouse uh, conversation where the, the, the government, the Minister of Health, have ever said that the private sector is overcharging patients. That has been the issue. But the private sector is also saying, in fact, we are trying what we can do because we, because remember right now, there are vast um, uh, medical clinics, even wholesalers now, there are so many. 
retail pharmacies, I can't even mention them. So if anything at all, the next guy is trying to charge less to get the gas. So we are saying, no, we are not even overcharging. But when we then look at the, let's say, at the cost of medicines from India and the cost of medicines from Europe and what we are charging here in Zimbabwe, indeed, the cost are high. That much we can agree that the costs are high. Mm. But I think it, it, it has been highlighted many a times through the Ministry of Health. We have said for a long time, we need an NHI. We need a national health insurance. If you talk of um, top countries, mm. this is how they manage the cost of services. As long as we do not have it, the government cannot really put price controls on something that an individual has imported. It's very difficult. And in any case, for a product to come from India, for a product to come from Europe, it goes through many cost centers. By the time it arrives here, it's expensive. And at the end of the day, we have said the patient is the one that suffers. So indeed, I agree with you that here in Africa per se, the cost of healthcare is very high. But the major player that can regulate is the government. I think if we look uh, at a point where I was saying, when Varicam started to introduce molecules like Losartan, like amylodipine, I don't know if you saw that the prices started to to go down. <laughs> Remember, we, we had different brands of, of amylodipine, but they were a little bit expensive. Mm-hmm. But when Varicam brought theirs, it had a, a lower price than the local product. It, it went down. So mm-hmm. this is another way, like what we've been discussing, I think, for the past about 20 minutes, about coming together, having these manufacturing plans. Here. They will address these issues which we are talking about, about the costs uh, of, of, of the services and the cost of, of medicine. In, in any case, it also creates um, employment. Uh, because right now we are saying pharmacists now, we, we, we have many, we, people are busy arguing about locum rate, about, no, look, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, we can create these jobs for ourselves. Yeah. Mm. Because I, I think she's got a lot of experience. I think she, she can tell you that AstraZeneca, let's say in the States, is how many pharmacists? Mm, yes. In how many? They will be in different departments. Mm. They will be in research. They will be in probably regulatory. They will be, there is so much that can, that can be done. So no matter how much we argue, no matter how much we try to fight with the Arab BZ, no matter how much the government try to control us, as long as we don't lay the foundation, we are always going to be buying uh, very expensive medication. We're always going to be importing from others. And like what uh, Mrs. Jay was saying, UK has actually put ban restrictions hmm. on medicines. We've got a list of hmm. medicines now that are and not even allowed to leave the UK. To leave the UK. Yeah. Because these are being used to manage uh, COVID-19. Yeah. And they're safeguarding them. And you know, I was surprised that the UK were... were was actually putting drugs like an and Cetro. Mm. They were actually saying, yeah. no, do we, have, drugs, yeah. do we have enough up to, to, to 2025? Mm. Can you imagine? This, this is what yeah, these guys are planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also with the, yeah. the UK, when Brexit came into place, mm-hmm. there were also challenges. Yeah. So Definitely. they are also trying to, uh, to reface yeah. some of these things for their own population, True. including uh, the professionals. There mm-hmm. were challenges. Mm. In the Very terms much. of, for example, I, well, we had uh, an international conference and they were talking about pharmacists in the UK mm. because they're trying to also ring fans mm-hmm. with the, the egg when Brexit came into place. Mm-hmm. So these are just some of the issues. Yeah. And, and, and also what you were saying now that um, uh, most people now are not on, 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 on medical aid because mm. probably they can't afford. Mm. Then the biggest player in Zimbabwe in terms of medical aid is PSMI. Mm. So, um, with PSMI, they've tried their best. It's not easy. They've got a yeah. large pool. It's not easy. A large pool. Mm. And members are seeking mm. different services. Mm. So, yes, I've seen on other panels people trying to yeah. castigate. Yes, we can say that. We cannot deny it. But look, 
it's a very huge pot to deal with. Mm. Yeah, yeah I would actually say that would yeah. be a conversation in itself. Yeah. Where you are looking at managed health yeah. and how it should be done to True. ensure that there's ethical standards. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. like any other Because the provider has now become the service yes, provider. Exactly. So true. Yeah. True. So I'm not too sure, but anyway, I think I just threw it. I just threw it out there. No, but I'm I not mean, but, but, now. but then again, no. This forms, I think, a key part basis when it comes to the future of pharmacy. Yeah. We're looking yes. at the trend that actually is going forward right now. Yeah, sure. If you're looking at the growing number of um, you know outlets that are going to be opening soon enough, sure. you're finding that you know some of the medical funders are going to be leading the way in terms of uh, service delivery. You know, in the UK, um, you were speaking about the National Health uh, mm-hmm. Insurance. insurance yeah. So in the UK, the NHS is a very interesting um, organization. It, it can be, it, it's great because it allows the patient to be able to afford their medication. Most medications are free for children, for certain age groups. Um, if you're working class, you do pay, but you pay a very minimal fee. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a doctor, a GP available for free. And their billing system is very interesting. So when, when I was working there as a transformation manager, actually, their biggest problem was they couldn't figure out where they were having issues, where they could save more money. Mm-hmm. And they kept on looking at the doctors and the clinicians. Mm-hmm. And I said to them, no, your biggest cost center is your medicines. Mm-hmm. And after that, now I'm not too sure if I'm the one who instigated it, but it's really now changed when it comes to um, even the types of pharmacists you have now. Now you actually have clinical pharmacists in the NHS, which weren't there before. Now you actually have directors of pharmacy that have you know, certain qualifications based on being able to reduce and make more effective and efficient supply chain management decisions. But I think what I'm saying that I'm saying that that pool of money comes from Treasury. It's not money that actually comes from the Ministry of Health per se. It's money that comes from Treasury, and then it's given to clinical um, commissioning groups. And in the clinical commissioning groups, these are group of, groups of doctors mm-hmm. that are in different areas that then say, okay, we've received X amount of money, and then they've now done it to where different hospitals have different specializations. And then those different hospitals build the CCG. The CCG then pays that hospital every so often. So it, it actually takes out the insurance companies, as, as it were, that would be here in Zimbabwe. However, there is still a private sector that runs parallel to the NHS that promises to be more efficient, to give you service delivery mm-hmm. when you need it. It's just allowing you to cut ahead of the, 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 the line, but you still need the public sector. So if you yeah, need a complicated, if you need a complicated surgery done, you're still going back to, to the public hospital. You mm-hmm. can't get certain mm-hmm. things done in private. Yeah. You see, so it's the national health insurance is definitely needed in Zimbabwe. It needs the correct funding structure. It needs the, somebody who really knows what they're doing because it could actually fall within the time that it's actually trying to rise. But I think that that's something, George, that's very interesting that you've thrown there, and I think it's something we need to seriously look at in terms of implementation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I, I want to go back to the issue of cost because when you look at cost of medicines, uh, if you have got uh, the private sector taking the biggest role in the supply of medicines, you actually have a skewed pricing system and value system. Because when you're looking at the public sector, on the other hand, they have systems in place which will ensure that they are sourcing, because of the quantities which they, they, they get, their source in the supply chain makes their products cheaper. And whether they get them from local or they import, because of the tender systems and so on, that in terms of cost of medicines, it would work out much cheaper. Now, when there's no products or in, insufficient medicines in the public sector, you find that the private sector is now spreading itself thinly because the, you, we, when I started practicing years back, uh, <laughs> <laughs> two years, <laughs> you'd find that certain products are specifically for hospitals. Mm. But mm. now you are finding prescriptions on our social media groups as community pharmacists, which are dealing or looking for products which I would call hospital products. Okay. And as such, the community pharmacists, other than what they would normally uh, provide, they are also going into supplying specialist hospital products. Mm. And that has made 
things really difficult and because of the quantities which also they bring in the products tend to be also quite uh, more expensive because if uh, say you are having a product air freighted from South Africa where there's one kg of very few things mm. it becomes expensive. expensive but if you are doing a, a, a consignment it becomes much cheaper mm. when you are doing large imports but being smaller portion of the supply chain or distribution chain in the community pharmacies we find that the products tend to be expensive just bringing them in and at the end of the day you end up with increased costs of our products and also the one which has been a burning issue has been the issue of charging in US dollars or in bond pharmacies are, tra are charging in both mm. currencies uh, I'm talking of uh, Zim dollars and US dollars and others but both basically it's the US dollar and the uh, Zim dollar but when it comes to us as a country now bringing in those products they are coming in as imports and not everything is being covered under the uh, auction system which is the challenge which you are getting such that now to balance the amount of products we are getting on the auction system and the other products uh, which we are getting using free funds becomes a very difficult balancing act. So the cost of medicines is bound to be having balancing acts in order to have products for our, for, our, uh, for our clients. I always say, being a pharmacist, one of my biggest challenges when it comes to supplying a product is my client or my patient. When they walk in and then I say I don't have the product, they'll scream at me they are unhappy then when I have it I said yes I have it then they're happy at first and then they say how much is it I give them the price then they're angry again so you actually have to have a balancing act at the end of the day for the benefit of the patients having it and not having it what prices are we dealing with so the pricing issue still gives us a big a lot of challenges because of the private access. In fact, when you looked at uh, some of the supply, the big suppliers, the pricing structure is actually different when they supply to smaller units like the private sector, where it is much smaller than when they supply to the public sector, the big hospitals, because they've got the benefits of discounts and so on, uh, what they call uh, the economies of scale, because they, have, they might have small profit margins as a distributor when they supply to a big institutions like the if they are supplying to the public sector so these are some of the balancing acts which we always always have to deal with mm -hmm. yeah. no, no, i think thank you for that uh, i think explanation mm -hmm. my chair but mm -hmm. i think dealing with the key cost drivers i think is very important and i think to also clearly understand what exactly are the issues are where the bottlenecks and how to address each and every one of those. I also like how Mr. Nyamayaro mentioned that let's also engage the different stakeholders, whether it's RBZ and telling them these are our issues, whether it's the wholesalers and saying, look, these are we need XYZ products, can we also work on the community of scale? We need yes. certain quantities, we need certain range of products and also just trying to balance out the market needs. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot, I think, to unpack there, I think, when it comes to cost. But hopefully at the end of the day, we can ensure that, you know, cost does come down for our Absolutely. patients. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, we've also come to the end of our segment. Out of love to go on for a bit longer. Yeah, but sure. um, look, I think just to round up, let's just uh, discuss, I think everyone can just give a brief um, comment about, you know, what they want to see when it comes to the future of pharmacy and just share with our audience in, in terms of where they want to be and where they want to go. Thank you. We'll start with you, Ms. Shaiber. Thank you. When I look at the future of pharmacy, uh, I think I'll still go back to my initial introductory statement. Times change and we change with the times. What it means is even the workforce itself has to adapt to the changes in the environment. This type of pharmacy practice we are looking at is not just the product, but we are talking about the research so that the product suits the disease and pharmacists are involved there. And then we have distribution to make sure that the palette of the product from the supplier right to the patient is properly looked after. 
and then you get to the pharmacy in the community pharmacist when they dispense to ensure that the patient gets the correct information. And then when they gets to the patient, the patient themselves should be part of the patient. They should understand their medication. And even when it comes to uh, the types of services we are looking at into the future, the competencies we are looking at pharmacies, as my colleague alluded to earlier on, when we talk about clinical pharmacy, because medicine is going into the body, that's a clinical aspect and there are diseases involved. So the patients, even if it comes to testing or on the point of sale testing, like the home tests we are having, the patients have to understand them, do them properly, and make sense out of a test. And they should be properly interpret interpreted so that they have the good quality service. When they take the medication, properly taken, if they have adverse events, that's my last talk. If you take any medication and you are unhappy or you have side effects, we call them adverse events, it's important for you to talk back or to report to the institution where you get the medicine from or through our medicines control authority or any other healthcare professional. Because at the end of the day, there used to be an advert uh, on that. Your life is our concern. The life of the patient is very important to us. And as such, from the manufacturing research to your use, right to the end, we need that complete cycle, collaboration and relationship. Thank you. It's pretty good. I was about to clap my hands. But I just, <laughs> <laughs> just realized I'm actually on a panel so I yes. <laughs> She's, I mean, she's pretty much said everything. Um, and I've got different hats to put on, but when I say this, I say it, it breaks my heart when you're in a room full of students. I normally do this with my part four students, and I say, you know, tell me your name, tell me what you want to become in terms of where do you see your pharmacy career going. But I'm saying for the large part, everyone is just talking about retail and making money. So they've actually ta taken their focus away from money instead of looking at the patient and the molecule, because that's what you are when you're a pharmacist. You're connecting the molecule yes. and the patient through a service provision. So if we miss that, then we've lost the plot and then disruptors will come and they'll just, there'll be automation and technology and it'll replace people. So I think the future of pharmacy and, and gathering from what my panelists, uh, my fellow panelists have said today as well, I think the future of pharmacy in Zimbabwe should be one where those that have resource and experience should come together, and even those that don't should come together, and we need to start creating new jobs. We need to start creating new jobs through uh, pharmacogenomics, pharmacotechnology, pharmacomanufacturing. We've got to find ways of changing our practice and our industry and, and the way people take us serious as well. Yes, um, and you know, I, I had an, when Mrs. Chaiva was talking, I had an epiphany when I used to work at the hospital pharmacy in, uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And you know, we used to have an, a big IV room and before you go in there, you gown up and you know, you, you've, you've got a line and you start making IVs and TPNs and for the whole day, you're just focused on that. And I think the, farm, the future of pharmacy relies on us not gowning in and not focusing on what's in front of us, which is what we always do every day when we walk into our shops or into our areas of practice. That we now need to start looking above and saying, okay, what else is happening? What else can we get involved in? What else can we change? What, what disruption can we cause? How can we find the time to keep on sitting down and drafting that structured approach to making and creating more jobs and creating more sustainable solutions for our citizenry because, as Mrs. Chaiba said, I, at least I know I made a pledge to say, no harm first. So I cannot harm. And one of my biggest challenges for the new retail outlet that we've opened called Care Express is that, you know, patients will come in and I and I can't turn them away. I mean, if something is going to cost a dollar, sometimes I just give it to them. So I'm probably going to go bankrupt at some point. <laughs> but I just because I'm just saying it's just a dollar. Yeah. You know, I'd rather take a dollar out of my purse and give this poor person you know, a chance with their blood pressure medication because they're also trying, but they don't have the dollar. Mm. 
you know? So it's, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult situation, but we need to go above and beyond just the business aspect and start getting more into innovation and disruption. I think that's the best for the future of Zimbabwe. Definitely. Thanks. Eh? And last but not least, Mr. Nyamero, what do you see for our future in pharmacy? Yeah, I think you've had a great career. Too, so. too powerful. <laughs> concluding, you know, speeches yes. there. Very, bring very it commandable, you know. Yeah, yeah but um, I feel they've said it right on, on point. But what I've garnered from, from this discussion is that the only way out for the pharma service is in. That's the only way. We have to go in into manufacturing. Mm. Those ideas that are under the pillow, we want them out. <laughs> Let's stop sitting on those ideas. We need to yeah, come together. This is what I've garnered from here yeah, because no, it right. doesn't make sense for us yeah. Right now we're saying we have 830, 850 uh, retail pharmacies. Mm. But where are they getting the medicines from? Mm. We can't keep on saying we are going to rely with importation. We've said it mm. on numerous fora. You know, it's the same thing that I can conclude by the demise of Nokia. You know, the CEO of mm. Nokia, you know, when they crumbled, <laughs> mm. he gave his last speech. You know what he said? He thanked his workers and said, we did nothing wrong. But you can't say that. When the company has crumbled, one of the biggest companies has crumbled, then you say, no, we did nothing wrong. Mm. It's the same thing that us as pharmacists yeah. we are going to do. Yeah. If we continue in this trajectory, yeah, one day, like these winds of change that are being talked about, absolutely. we don't grab them. Mm. We're going to walk up one day and say, we did nothing wrong. We were just practicing as pharmacists. But yes, we would have failed to grasp the changes. would want to see ourselves having our own vaccines, use our brains. We can do this. We can do this. I feel these issues we are talking about funding. If we come seriously, I'm sure something can, 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 can pop up. Always people try to refer to failure as success turned upside down. True. <laughs> but uh, failure, we allow it ourselves. Mm. We can only, pharmacy has so many, so many, so many dimensions that have been mentioned here. Mm. She's talked about clinical pharmacists. Right now, I, I don't even know if we've got clinical pharmacists here in Zimbabwe. I don't know. The only person I applaud is probably Davison Vurago. You know, this man has been at Paris and has been there for four years. He's natured many pharmacists. You ask a pharmacist doing their one year at Paris, they, they are even, they, 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 they are banking at times, going into, into retail for small, for small locums. Mm. You know, so we need to change the mindset. We yes. need to create that foundation for pharmacists like, I think that has been mentioned, that our job is to connect the molecule to the patient, mm. not to connect the pharmacist to the money. The moment <laughs> we, we, we think that pharmacy equals yeah. money, yeah. we've got a problem. Mm. But remember, we've got accountants. We've got yeah, uh, we've different... Value. We've yes. So right now, I think we've become accountants, we've, we've become uh, traders, we've be we now don't have a definition of who we are. Mm. I think we've lost that. Yeah. So yes, I feel with the panels like this, with conversations like this, uh, like what has been alluded to, let's implement things that yes. we have discussed. Mm. Let's take them on. This is what we want to say. We can't keep on discussing all the time, discussing all yes. the time. Lay out the problems. Here are the problems. Solutions sometimes are suggested. That's the end of it. Let's harness these solutions. Put them to test. Yeah. Put them to test. Some will go through, some will not. You, you know, Caps had one of the biggest penicillin plants mm. here in Africa. You know that. Mm. The penicillin yeah. plant at Caps. Yeah. Sort of, you know, it had autosterile. And at one point, I remember autosterile was actually manufacturing your, your normal saline. And it had a tender uh, to Botswana. They and were the act eye yeah, and they were yeah, making yeah. neodoxone eye drops. They were exporting to Malawi. This is the level we need to 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 go back to, go you back know, and beyond, yeah. and beyond. <laughs>
Because I think yes. now the call is for even better, bigger than True that. that. It's bigger molecules yes. now. True. Bigger molecules. Yeah. And, uh, More technology. Yes. No. Yes. I think definitely. Um. I think I, I like that challenge that you presented, uh, Mr. Yeah, Yamara. Sure. And I think it's just a challenge to everyone, whether it's healthcare professionals, whether it's people in the systems, whether it's just an everyday person, anyone concerned about their health. I think it's a, a lot of food for thought, and we all have to come together and think and do our part. Mm-hmm. But thank yeah, you. thank you very much. I think <laughs> everyone, I know I can talk to this panel for a very long time. You're very so I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. I think everyone for I think just coming through to the panel and look, this is our our mid-season um, break. Um, so as a panel discussion, this was the first pharmacy chat. So I'm quite excited, and hopefully we can get some more conversations going. But thank you so much for the support. I think mm-hmm. as we started healthy conversations. Eh? Great job. Thank Nyasha. you. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Nyasha. I just Merry wanted Christmas. to say great job, Nyasha. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I think you should keep thank on doing these healthy conversations. I think you need to get all the aspects of all the type of different types of pharmacists and touch on all the topics, whether they're gender sensitive topics, whether they're. Yes, they are. No, because. No, 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 I haven't said anything. No, I'm just saying women in pharmacy versus men in pharmacy. I mean, you know, yeah. we have challenges as women yeah, in pharmacy. You know? And I'm, I, you know, I don't think George has any challenges, but. <laughs> but I think, I, you know, it's very encouraging. And I want to commend oh, you yeah, sure. yeah. For, Thank you. for actually taking a concept to become an actual thing so you've actually implemented something you've been talking about for a very long time now yeah. so i actually want to commend you this time and actually cut my hand yeah. and say well done yeah. Nasha. thank you thank keep you. on doing it oh, yeah, and sure. keep on pushing out yeah. all these conversations because yeah. yeah. they're important and they get people talking about the correct things at a very critical time where we need to be focused okay yeah. no thank yeah. you so much i think i'll, I'll keep pushing on it good yeah. wonderful <laughs> right thank okay. you so uh thank you so much i think for tuning into this episode uh it was very exciting uh our first panel discussion as a pharmacy chat i look forward to so many more conversations like this <laughs>